What I want to do today in this message is talk into this context about decisions, desires and distractions. And really the spirit of it is about helping us to understand the power of going the distance. If you're not going to get wisdom for your decisions, you're not going to go the distance. So it's about having wisdom for the decisions you're making. Choices and decisions are not the same thing. Choices are about where you are right now. Decisions are usually about where you're going. Choices are about preferences. Do I like vanilla or do I like chocolate? Do you have to ask? Vanilla. Every time. Shall I go out? Shall I stay in? No, it's just choices are about where you are right now. But decisions, they've got a lot more towards where you're going. I'm making a decision about the people I'm hanging around with. Why? Because are they going to take me to my future or are they going to hold me back? Decisions tend to have a lot more conviction in them, whereas choices tend to have a lot more preferences in them. And so let's make sure whatever our age is, whatever the generation we're in or from, that we understand the power of making godly, wise choices and not turn it into a preference. So Jesus is so profound because he is the one that speaks words of life into each and every single one of us. And let me start with the words of Jesus if I can today. Matthew chapter 7, it says this, These words I speak to you are not some kind of additional, optional additions to your life or some nice little accessories to improve your standard of living. No, they are foundational words, words to build your life on. If you work my words into your life, you are like a wise builder who builds his house on solid rock. Rain pours down, the rivers flood, tornadoes hit, but nothing, nothing, nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a foolish builder who built his house on the sandy ground. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus finished speaking, the crowd burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. His words had authority. Quite a contrast to the religious teachers. This was the best teaching they'd ever heard. Foundational words, words of authority, the best words they'd ever heard. Matthew 5, 6 and 7, the Gospel of Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is famous. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus steps up to a mountainside as he sees the crowds, his disciples come close, the followers that were helping him in his ministry. And he began to speak a game-changing message that I believe still impacts even in our modern society today. And so Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. But Matthew chapter 5, it starts off like this. One day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside, sat down, and the disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. And it's interesting because many of you might know this. Maybe for some of you it's quite new or you've never heard this, but this is what he says. He starts to speak about, they call it the Beatitudes. Another easy way of understanding it, he talks about the blessings of going after God. And he speaks about God blesses those who are poor in spirit. In other words, spiritual poverty. 
when they realise their need for Him, the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of God of heaven is there. So credible blessings. There is a blessing when you go after God. Can anyone say amen? amen? And then he goes on and he starts to speak and break it all down into topics that were pertinent or relevant or concerning people's everyday lives. And some of the topics he would deal with in the next few chapters were talking about salt and light. Let me tell you why you're here. Purpose. How many of us need to be reminded of why we're here? Why? Because distractions will take you off course. I'm not here to be distracted. I'm here to stay focused. I'm here to do something to the glory of God. Yeah, there's a distraction, but it's not going to get my attention. Amen. Anyone been distracted and you, you realise this is getting in the way and I need to get back on track? Thank God that we can get back on track. So he talks about salt and light. He says, you're not going to be salt. You're not, you're not trying to be salt. You're not trying to be light. You are. This is who you are. He talks about the law and not abolishing it, but fulfilling it in the, in the sense of don't use the law the wrong way. He talks about anger and its consequences. He talks about adultery and he game changes everything. He says, not what you have on the outside, it's what you have on the inside. Even if you think about it, this is where some of the difficult verses in the New Testament are or in the Gospels when people read it. Maybe your friend has just opened the Bible and gone to the part where it says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. <gasps> How many of us wouldn't have any eyes? Don't put your hand up, just look straight ahead. <laughs> if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> he speaks about adultery, talks about divorce, he talks about vows. In other words, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Talks about the dangers of revenge and breaking the cycle of revenge. Oh, if there's ever a message in our world that needs to hear it. You don't like today's news media? What you have to understand is, is the news media is just covering generations and generations of offense and revenge in so many ways. Teachings about love, loving your enemies. Oh, rip that part out of the Bible. Teach about giving and helping others in need. Talking about prayer and fasting, the right way to do it, the wrong way to do it. Talking about money and possessions. Talking about judging others, not judging them, but not to judge because he who judges will be judged. Talking about other things like effective prayer. This is how you can be effective in your prayer. The golden rule, how would you like to be treated? Then begin to treat others like that. The narrow gate, the tree and the fruit. And talking about who are my true disciples. And so he sums up all of this with a metaphor that I've just read to you found in Matthew chapter 7. He sums it up with a metaphor of two kinds of people, the wise builder and the foolish builder. And I think it's important for us at this season, at this moment, to really consider the words of Jesus. Not my words, His words. If you want to go the distance, you need to consider the words of Jesus. He taught 
with authority. His words had authority. You can never have authority unless you're under authority. He was under the Father and he only spoke what he heard the Father say. And it's incredible when people speak, who's listening? And so I think this is so incredible that Jesus, God himself, is under authority and therefore he spoke words of authority because he was under authority. If you're not under authority, your words will never have authority. You can have the right spirit and say the wrong things and it will work and it will help. You can have the wrong spirit and say the right right things and it still will never build anything. Don't get me wrong. If you can have the right spirit and the right words, then we're going forward. But I need you to understand the right spirit and maybe saying it wrong doesn't mean it's the end result. And so these are the things that Jesus talked about. And I think he sums it up very profoundly. Builders that are wise, builders that are uh, not wise. So those who apply my words... This is kind of the context, those who apply my words and those who don't. Those who build on a solid ground and those who build on shifting sand. Building on solid ground, speaking of application. And so the idea is to be a wise builder, not a foolish one. How many people in this room today genuinely say, I want to be a wise builder. I want to be a wise builder. Who would in their right mind say, I want to be an idiot? And yet, what is it that causes us to be defined as a wise builder? And what is it causes us to be defined as a foolish builder? Wisdom applies, foolishness doesn't. Wisdom listens, foolishness doesn't listen. Wisdom learns, foolishness doesn't learn. Wisdom is teachable, but foolish can't be taught. The gospel covers a lot of Jesus' ministry in the words he spoke to people directly and indirectly. For example, Luke 15, many of you would know this, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost sons. And this is what I think is so fascinating. Luke 15, this is a summary quickly. There's a a son that leaves home. He's called the younger son. There's another son that stays at home. So there's one father, two sons. The younger son basically goes off to live a righteous life, wild living, spending all his money, all his inheritance, doing what he wants, when he wants, however he wants. And it leads to brokenness. He gets to a point where he literally, after finally hitting rock bottom, the younger son decides to return home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. Embraced him, kissed him. Ran to him, embraced him, kissed him. The work of repentance is the work of God. He's running to us when we're stumbling somewhere trying to find Him. He hugged us and He kissed us and He embraced us. The son said to the father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called a son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on his finger. Put the sandals on his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So the party began. Quick, put the robe, the ring and the sandals on. God is quick 
to cover you in truth and grace. God is quick, not slow. God is a covering, not an exposing. The son was dreaming so low. Listen to what it says. I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to being called your son. The next thing that was going to come out of his mouth was just take me back as a slave. Just take me back as a slave. Why are you so quick to dream so low? He just wanted to be a servant, a slave in the father's house. When you suffer defeat, you tend to lower your expectations of you and of others. Listen to me again. When you suffer defeat, you tend to lower your expectations of you and of others. That's why the father had to move quickly. Before he could speak and lower his dream down to, I'll just come as a slave. Before he could get it out of his mouth, the father said, quick, get that robe on him, the robe of righteousness. Quick, get that ring on his finger. Before he says another word, get them sandals on his feet before he starts saying something I never intended for him. I don't know what your defeat is. I don't know what your mistake is. I don't know what it is that's gone wrong in your life, but I want you to know the father is quick to cover you in grace and truth. When you suffer defeat, why is it that we lower our dreams down to, I'll just be a slave in the Father's house? Listen to me, you don't come to the Father as a slave. You don't come to the Father as an orphan. What happens if you come to the Father as a slave? Well, what's the mentality of a slave? I have to do something to earn it. I've got to do something to earn the Father's love. How many of us are still ruled with a slave mentality? If I do something, do good, get good. A slave thinks like, if I do good, I'll get good. If I tithe, God will bless me. If I keep going to church, maybe I'll, I'll get a wife or I'll get a husband or whatever it is that you're kind of thinking that you can manipulate God into. A slave literally is ruled by a mentality of, I have to earn it. But what is an orphan's heart like, which is one of the biggest problems in our planet today, an orphan's heart? You come to the father as an orphan, what are you doing? You're basically coming to the father and saying, I don't deserve it. And I'm really struggling to receive it. How many people in this room today, literally you still struggle to believe and receive your heavenly father's incredible, redeeming, everlasting love? You can sit here in this, hear this, the words of Jesus and still with an orphan's heart, refuse because you still believe what you think about you more than what God says about you. I don't deserve this. If you knew what I've done, if you knew where I've been, if you knew how I think, if you knew you would not call me a son or a daughter. And I want to let you know today, He does know and He still declares son, daughter, son, daughter, son, daughter, because He's a coverer, not an exposer. The enemy will cover you in lies, but God will cover you in truth. 
And it came down to, will you build with the words that I declare? Another incredible example of just how dangerous the human heart is when it gets off course is found in Mark chapter 10. And many of you know this story again. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And this is what he said. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commands since I was young. But this is what he says. What else must I do? What else must I do? Because I just feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like I'm not really complete. I feel like, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm not really satisfied. I've done all of that, but I'm still lacking. I'm still wanting. I'm still desiring. And so he says to Jesus, what else must I do? And looking at the man, who is it that you will let look into your eyes and tell you the truth? Looking at the man, he said, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And this is what he said to him. There is still one thing that you have not done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's countenance changed and he went away sad for he had many possessions. This is not a story about Jesus not wanting you to have money. This is not about a story about Jesus getting you to become poor and insignificant. That is the misappropriation of this what is going on here. This man is standing before God Himself and everything he is trying to use in his life to fulfil him is in front of him in a holistic way and he can't even see it. The money's blinded him. It's not that you don't have to have money or can't have money. It's just that money can't have you. He's got a position. He's a rich, young ruler. He's got a position. He's respected. He speaks and people listen, not because he's got authority, because he's not under authority. It's because he's got a position. How many people still try to get things done because you want a title? You'll never get anything done through a title because people don't follow titles. He looked at him and he loved him and he said, the one thing that you haven't done is let go of you. Jesus was saying to him, I want you. That's why He said, come and follow me. Now, by the way, if you don't know this, Jesus didn't say, come follow me to everyone. He only said it to the disciples who became the apostles of the church. And I need you to understand what did this young man miss out on? Because you read it for the Scriptures yourself. He never said, come follow me to everyone. And He says it clear as you can see right there. And this is what I think you need to understand. He says, his countenance changed and he went away sad. When the heart is confronted, the countenance will change. Listen to me, when any person is off track or distracted or caught up with the wrong things, the countenance will change. And if it can happen for Jesus, it can happen for you and I. When my countenance changes, you know my heart is not in a good place because your heart helps you with your countenance. If your heart is off, your countenance will change. If you run a business, if you have a department, if you've got people in your world, understand people's countenance is a revealer of their heart. And in the business world, they don't really want to know about your heart. They just want you to do your job. That's what you've been employed to do. Well, that's kind of brutal. But the point is, is that's the way the world operates. Don't bring your emotional problems to work. Just do your job. 
but you won't flourish in that environment, you'll die. Well, the house of God can't be about that. It's gotta be about your heart. And if your heart can't get fixed here, where can it get fixed? Would you consider the words of Jesus? His words are foundational. His words are the best teaching ever. His words can build your life. The rich young ruler couldn't let go of himself. Jesus didn't want his success. Jesus doesn't want his money. Jesus doesn't want his titles. Jesus doesn't want his opinions. Jesus just wanted him. And I believe that's applicable for you and I today. He doesn't want all of the things that sometimes we bring. He just wants you. Have I got you? Have I got you? And you know, the biggest challenge for all of us is we still need to ask the question. Yes, you've got me. Yes, you've got me. You've got some of me. No, you've got all of me. You've got everything. You've got my good. You've got my bad. You've got my ugly. You've got my when I don't want to do it. And you've got me when I do want to do it. You've got my bad hair days. You've got my good hair days. You've got my mess, my grumpiness, my complaining. You've got everything. Everything. But his words had authority. His words had authority because it's God who's speaking. How crazy for you and I to ignore the words of the wise builder. You know how you become a wise builder? Because you apply the words of a wise builder. And you can sit here and you can say, I've heard it all before, but that's the trouble. You've heard it all before. And God is trying to help you to get beyond your mistakes, beyond your fears. Every time the word fear is mentioned, it's always the absence of relationship. You don't tend to be fearful if you have a relationship. But a slave will be fearful of God. Why? Because there's no relationship. An orphan will be fearful of God. Why? Because there's no relationship. But a son and a daughter won't be fearful. I think it's so important if we can understand this moment that God is trying to help us all move forward into our future because He's trying to say, would you just let go of you? Because that's what God's fighting for. He wants you and He wants all of you and He wants everything that you bring to the table because He's the only one who can handle it. What a safe place to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous and boastful or proud or rude. Listen to me, love is not rude and it's not proud. It does not demand its own way and it is not irritable and it keeps no records of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never fails. Love never loses faith. It always is helpful, hopeful, and it endures through the circumstances. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If you're here and you've got a long list of wrongs, it's crazy. When there's a misunderstanding and then suddenly, well, you said back 17,000 years ago, you said last year, you said, it's incredible. Like, I can't even remember lunch. But if you're going to keep a record of wrongs, you understand, listen to me, whatever you do to highlight the failures of others, you have to understand the Bible says the same measure will be applied back to you. So be very careful about highlighting the failures of others if you have not first counted your own. 
It's very unhealthy to build any community where we're quick to highlight the failures of others. Have I failed? Absolutely. But if you're not going to highlight my failures, how dare I highlight yours? Where do I go with my failures? To God. That doesn't mean you can't learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. Building a culture like this, we need to understand if you have concerns, there is a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. But you cannot keep a record of wrongs. Listen to highlight the faults and the failures of others because you will only expose yourself. Give grace and you will receive grace. Give the law and you will be under law. Is it's Jesus we're dealing with, God Himself. Humble yourself today. Choose humility and grace and grace will follow you. Choose pride and you will never be satisfied. Will you apply what Jesus has said and done for you? Deal with the thorns of life because that chokes the Word. Mark chapter 4. So listen, these are just some things to take home today. Things to be quick to do. Number one, be quick to forgive anyone. Be quick to forgive. Don't be slow to forgive because there's no faith if there's no forgive. Listen, if you have unforgiveness, you'll never have an ounce of faith on your life, which means you're paralyzed. Unforgiveness paralyzes you. Some of you have been sitting here and you're like, oh, I've been full of unforgiveness for 20 years. Yeah, and you've paralyzed yourself for 20 years because your faith has never gone beyond your eyebrow. I'm trying to help you here today. Though it's confronting, it's going to bring healing. You can't get healing until you start the process of healing by taking full responsibility. I take full responsibility. The process of healing can begin. Number two, be quick to let go of what you want, what you think. It's a terrible place to be when your life is ruled about you. What I want, what I see, what I think. I think it's a horrible place to be by being self-consumed, self-occupied. The world is riddled with this, but the house of God should not be. We get freedom from this kind of stuff, amen? Can anyone say amen? Amen. Number three, be quick to put on the new wineskin. Be quick to be new. Not old. Some of you are old, but you're new. Number four, listen, number four. Be quick to pull down wrong thoughts. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. Wrong thoughts. Berlin, we get on our train in the morning and what's our thoughts like? Happy, happy, happy? No. We went to bed with bad thoughts and we woke up with bad thoughts and guess what thoughts do? They grow. And that's why... Grumpy Pants is sitting in front of you on the U-Bahn every day. And dare you smile at Grumpy Pants because I'm telling you, Grumpy Pants is going to let you know how much your smile irritates me. Anybody tried it? I guarantee this week that's your mission to smile at every Grumpy Pant and just see how much joy it brings to the city of Berlin. Be quick to pull down wrong thoughts. I'm telling you, seriously, whatever your age is, younger, school kids, teenagers, married, husband, wives, whatever your position in life is, I'm telling you, be quick to get them thoughts out of your head. And some of you, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do that. And trust me, you'll be like, oh my goodness. Yeah, because it's intense when you realise it's going on. But when you get the master of it, when you start to beat it, you start taking thoughts and saying, I'm not gonna have that thought, amen. Number five, be quick to cover, slow to expose. I never want to be a person who exposes anybody. 
God teaches us about covering, not exposing. And now listen, listen to me. I understand the difference between illegal stuff. If you're a murderer, I ain't gonna cover you. I'm gonna follow the law of the land. And that's hopefully common sense. So I don't have to explain it. I'm talking about just, I got it wrong. Someone I met not long ago, they said, oh, I've come back to church and I've been away for it years and years. And, and the only reason they came back by the grace of God is because they had a bad experience. And what it was is they were called up by the church because they'd made a mistake and they were there to be reprimanded in front of the church because their sins were exposed. Be quick to cover, slow to expose. Don't be quick to expose your brother's nakedness. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And number seven, be quick to talk, slow to judge. Oh, if I can encourage you, if you've got concerns, be a person that talks. Ask and come forward and put your hand up and say, can we talk about these concerns? Because I'm telling you, it's got to promote health and healing. If we can't talk, we're gonna hurt for a lot longer, but we can talk and that means we can bring wisdom and healing and perspective in Jesus' Name. I'll finish with this, Philippians chapter four. This is what I love about the Bible. It's so practical. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep applying and putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So what am I trying to say today is Jesus' words, they're foundational. Jesus' words, they have authority. They're the best teaching ever. Would you apply them? Would you apply them to your life? Would you build them into your life? Would you go on a journey and saying, that's not for her, that's not for him, that's for me, that's for me, that's for me. I'm gonna hear that, I'm gonna do that. By the help of heaven, help me to apply the words of the King. Help me to apply the words of a Saviour. Help me to work these incredible, hopeful, life-giving words into my life. And I do believe everything begins to change.